And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hulk. We got an awesome pod plan for you guys today, as Tyler usually says, taking the words right out of his mouth, I'm sure. We have actually uh, developed some some structure that we're planning on introducing here to uh, Sleep Hawk Worldwide, give our audience uh, some semblance of an idea what to expect from mm-hmm. us on a daily basis. So we gotta, we're going to get into some of that, um, but the first thing we're going to get into is... Are the Tar Heels back on track? I mean, we murdered Duke, which, let's be honest, nobody expected anything different, even from the unpredictable you know, uh, Tar Heels here. So we're going to go into uh, just the throttling of Duke, which was uh, you know, obviously fun to watch. And then you know, we got Florida State coming up this weekend. I actually studied the standings. Not as good of a picture as I thought. I've been saying for weeks that you know we're going to contend with Notre Dame in the coastal. Really, what shows? Uh, what does that show you? Is that I don't know what I'm talking about because Notre Dame isn't in the coastal, so we don't have to worry about them. But there are two teams ahead of us in the standings that we're going to need a little magic. But hey, listen, we still got a shot here. Um, Big Hawk, did you watch the game? What'd you think of it? I watched the game. Noon game, tough for the oh. Hawk. Um, not not to get up. It's tough because. Listen, it's a noon game, and the tailgating starts early. I usually don't like to crack them before noon, but uh, special occasions prevent that. Uh, Noon football games in Chapel Hill, the claws came out early, and you pay the consequences. Uh, (laughs) But I will say, anytime you beat Duke, I don't give a shit what the rankings are, where we're standing. It's a great day. It was a great day to be a Tar Heel on Saturday. Not only did we beat Duke, we beat the shit out of them. Yeah. And it was a must win. Could you imagine if we lost that game? Hmm. And, you know, one of my friends told me, he said, guys, if we lose tomorrow, they're going to have to take shoestrings and belt buckles. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa. And <laughs> no, nah, it was a big win. And I didn't break it down play by play. I know we beat Duke. And uh, obviously, I can't stand, I can't stand Duke. And so we brought him over here, took him to Keenum and just took them out to the woodshed. Old-fashioned right there. Uh, I loved it. What'd you think? Yeah, we got back on the right track. I think it was a confidence builder, you know, because of the rivalry of the game, to your point. Doesn't matter what the rankings are. Always got to win that game. That's one of those games where if you win that 31-17, it feels like you lost it because you should go in there and just do what we did, which is beat the doors off of them. I turned – I was – uh, doing a little uh, staycation over the weekend. Supposed to go to the game, didn't make it to the game. Get home, turn TV on, twenty-one nothing. Love it. I mean, we're just like in the driver's seat, and it was a stress-free Saturday, which is hard to come by as a Tar Heels fan. So, you know, I felt like we bounced back. We did a lot of good things. I watched the majority of the game, followed some of the stories after uh, afterward, and you gotta like where we're at, considering where we've been. Right? We started off with a loss to Virginia Tech. All things considered, as poorly as we played in that game, you know, whatever you lose that game, it's a losable game the Georgia Tech game <laughs> they turned around and just got throttled by Pitt who is now 1-0 atop the Coastal Division I don't understand what I don't understand about the standings and I had them up a second ago I'm gonna try to pull them back up but we are 2-2 two and two in the ACC and the two teams ahead of us have played one conference game so far so or sorry we're not 2-2 two and two in the ACC yeah we are we're 2-2 two and two in conference and the two teams ahead of us Virginia Tech and Pitt have played one conference game like how does that even happen um, so obviously they got a lot of, a lot of home games ahead of them, uh, or sorry, a lot of conference games ahead of them. And we need them to lose some of those. So we really need 
I don't understand if Notre Dame beating Virginia Tech counts as a conference loss or not. As long as this Notre Dame shit's been going on, I still don't understand it. But regardless, Virginia Tech, we're going to get into that later, plays Notre Dame at home this weekend. We need them to lose. We need Pitt to lose. We need everybody else to lose because uh, we got to win some tiebreakers here. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of – we need them to do it. The equation, and then it starts looking like something from Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> what 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 I think this team needs to do is focus on the next opponent, yeah. and that that is so important in every sport. Is okay. Let's handle our business, and we'll see what pieces fall into place. I listened to Mac and uh, Mac Brown, the coach, talk about this team needs to build confidence, and that's what we need right now. And then I listened to his quote. Came you know he had a great uh, quote that he put out, and I don't know what he said, but I read that quote, and I was ready to go. I'm not the biggest uh, college football fan, but I really liked what he said, and uh, I think this team does need to build confidence. Uh, I think beating Duke like that was great, and we understand that this team doesn't handle success well, kind of like what we saw from last year, and that's kind of like a talking point that Mac has said, but what this team needs to do is not to buy into the hype, not to try to meet expectations. What they need to do is stay within themselves and build the confidence within the team, within the locker room, and that is focusing on the next opponent. What can we learn from this? Be happy that we won and build off of that and watch film, and I think that's critical. Also, uh, just kind of game day notes. Our guy, Big Dan, you missed it, was an absolute <laughs> puddle. I mean, <laughs> this guy couldn't formulate a sentence by 4 p.m. That was funny, but also this is a side effect of a noon game. Yeah. Uh, it was also Cam's birthday. Cam, uh, happy happy late birthday. Yeah, t- um, people tend to uh, drown their sorrows when it's Cam's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, it wasn't Cam. Uh, which is hard to imagine. Hard to believe. Yeah, hard, hard to believe. Uh, but old Big Dan got after it. Um, and it was, a, it was a great Saturday. You know, I even hit IP3. Ooh. And uh, so shout out to them. Coach Williams was honored at halftime. Had one of the biggest ovations that I've ever seen in Keenan. I wasn't there. I was at the Carolina Inn, uh, clawed up. Man, it was great. I loved the way the fans did Coach Williams. I didn't know he was being honored at halftime. I would have been there with you guys cheering for him because he deserved it. Uh, But all in all, mission accomplished on Saturday. Tar Heels got the dub. Now what we need to do is shift our focus to Florida State because that is a big game, and they have tradition, and they know how to win uh, because it's embedded into their program, and it would be an amazing win if they came in. Amazing win for us at Keenan uh, next Saturday. So uh, fans, gear up for that. We're going to have to be there. But just game day notes and I wasn't really aware of, you know, how good Josh Downs, a receiver, is. Yeah. And Sleep sleep knows better about stats. He's more of a numbers guy than I am. And I didn't really notice this, but I, I think he's taken off Sleep. Yeah, I mean, I'm something of a beautiful mind, some would say. But, yeah, I got no idea. All I know is the dude catches a lot of balls, and he's uh, made some great catches in the game. Sam's, you know, that, that duo is key. It's clutch for us. Uh, given some of the weapons we lost and some of the injuries we've had on offense, we definitely seem to be, you know, uh, clicking better on offense. And, and offense really hasn't been the issue. I mean, we are scoring probably 35 points a game. Um, so it's good to see him keep that momentum going. FSU, the other thing that I was thinking as you were going through that is 
uh, FSU, 3.30 kick. Miami, 3.30 kick. Notre Dame, which was on the road, 7.30 kick. Then we have Wake, presumably, if we win those three games, that Wake game is going to be at least an afternoon kick. That's at home. Then we go to Pitt, 7.30. Then we've got Wofford, definitely a nooner. Uh, so get the claws uh, on ice on Friday night for that one. Um, and then you got NC State at NC State. That's shaping up to be uh, one of the more memorable matchups in this probably the history of the rivalry. So Florida State, one and four on the year. Not looking good at all. But to your point, we made that mistake with Virginia Tech thinking we were just going to roll in there because we were number 10 and blow the doors off. We Can't overlook it. anybody. Can't overlook Especially anybody Especially a conference opponent. And that's true. That's true in all sports. Um, you know, as soon as you do that, then you start getting rocked. Yeah. Uh, but I did see a stat, and I didn't realize this. Downs is on pace to break the single-season touchdown reception, uh, which at football, I think it is uh, shared by multiple people. We went to school with Hakeem Nix, mm-hmm. Dwight Jones, and Dwayne – how do you spell that? Dwayne Brown? Uh-huh. How do you say that? Dwayne Brown, but <laughs> what is that at? Uh, I'm looking. I'm trying to Google I think the, the record. Season. I think the record is 12 or 13, but I would love to see him oh, – um, Break that, and then just somebody just. Oh, you're talking about Deami Brown. Like that was Deami such a Brown. mispronunciation. I didn't know you were talking about. He's a he's a Washington football team wideout this year. He's a big pick. Well, he, he needs to be to be on that team. They need a lot of big Lord, picks. You ain't wrong, buddy. Good God, they need uh, Jesus to play for him, dude. Word on the street, they may be getting a Tua, which I'm not a fan of. But anyway, why why wouldn't you guys get Cam Newton, dude? I got I, that's the one thing I'm happy that they haven't. Um, done. Yeah, I Tua, don't know. and you're excited about Tua? no, absolutely not, absolutely not. So the record is twelve. Keem Nix twelve, Dwight and 08, Dwight Jones twelve and eleven, Deami Brown twelve or nineteen. Uh, and to your point, Deami Brown had eight in twenty twenty. And where are we at here? Yeah, he's not on the list yet, but he's 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 climbing. So yeah, I could never get excited about about. To uh, I, I wouldn't get excited about Cam. What I'm, <laughs> what I, what I would get excited about is Sam Howell. So and on one hand, I mean, I'll, I'm, they're my team, and I wish they'd win or make the playoffs or something. But maybe they'll just sell the farm and the draft and just and just go get Sam. Sam Diami Brown reunited. I don't in the think nation's th- capital. I mean, I don't, come I don't on. think they're gonna have to sell the farm for Sam. No, uh, he's not. He's not. He's, he's kind not of living up slipping. to the hype. But. but I don't like when he puts his head down, and he's so competitive, which is a very good quality. But he puts his head down and just tries to go through linemen. Yeah. And at some point, um, man, you're too valuable. And yeah. I don't know anything about football, um, but I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, but well, well you don't want him to turn it off. You know, it's a, it's a double edged sword, right? Like you don't want him to get hurt. You don't want him to. You know, you want him to do all these things, but at the same time. You love him because he does those Michael things. Michael Jordan never is. turned it off. Yeah. He's the only guy in the history of sport that could turn it on and off, and he never turned and it off. And he never freaking turned it off. That's Coach, Coach Williams. Says. That's what he used to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Oh, man. Well, there's uh, you know, there's some statistical players on our team right now offensively, and really where you see the improvement, I mean, again, you're playing Duke, but aside from an 80-yard touchdown, they had – you know, it was lockdown defense. So if we can get the defense together – and and keep it up, uh, stop people on third down, that sort of thing. We've got a shot. To, I mean, seven points is pretty good defensively. Yeah, and I mean, you, look, you you also have to think about a UNC football team. Like, if we lose two games, and again, you talk you talked about a minute ago. I hate if and we need these people to do that or whatever, but it's just fun to talk about. 
a, a successful season at this point is a run of the table, and then all of a sudden you're playing a you know a New Year's Eve, New Year's bowl game that's meaningful against another major conference team. The shitty part about that is, is if you're not in the national championship or college football playoff, you know, Sam Howell probably ain't playing. You know, Josh Downs probably isn't playing. We saw that last year when we went to, you know, that's the only way to keep these guys in through the end of the season. It's the only way I could ever even ask them to stand at the end of the season is to play a game that matters. And right now, um, that's a tall task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week for sure. I think Florida State's going to be fun. Yeah, we got a, a new or no three thirty kick. Chances are about seventy percent chance of rain, so it's about a hundred percent chance old sleep dogs catching this one from the couch. But moving on to our first segment. Big Hawk just coming to you with the noise. This is his time to shine. This is what you want to hear from the Big Hawk. We've taken requests all week long, and, you know, the Big Hawk's here for the people. He's going to tell you what, you know, his key points are this week, and uh, I think you're going to love it. So we've introduced a new segment to the podcast. It's called Hawk Talk. And honestly, guys, listen, this is for anything you want to hear about. Hit us up in the DMs. Let us know. I'll talk about anything. And this is just my rant. And Bachelor in Paradise finale is Tuesday night, right tonight. This is when we're um, this is when we're recording uh, this week's pod is on Tuesday. You guys will get it on Wednesday. So you'll have all the results by then. But I'm on the edge of my seat. And I have never watched a season of Bachelor in Paradise. Sleep, you take the most drama in The Bachelor. You combined it. All you shake it up. That's one episode of Bachelor in Paradise. It is, I mean, I just love it. And I love, I love everything about it. I love drinking my whiskey when I have it. I love it when uh, Fact Checker brings in the brownies, the cookies. (laughs) We have our party right there. I get my, my, my glass of milk and just go at them. And we just, we just go right into the episode. First bold prediction I'm making about the finale. Grocery store Joe is engaged to Serena, okay? And they have been like, I mean, you talk about fifth grade love. They can't get enough of each other. And I'm sick of like the, oh, the the goo-goo and the gaga, and we're just all in a happy place. Well, his ex-fiance, who he met on Bachelor in Paradise, Kendall, who I'll be honest with you, sleep, she's a smoke show. And she is attractive. Her, she's a little robotic, uh, but I'm into her. And the preview had her popping in on this last episode. And Joe's over here. He's thinking about buying a ring, getting down on the knee for Serena. Serena's young. Joe's not. He's not young. He's he's lived a lot of life, and I'm not really sure he's thought about life after paradise. And he's trying to make a a temporary decision, make it a permanent decision. And so I, I don't. I just don't see this working out. That is my bold prediction. Joe and Serena Dunsky. That's my prediction. Uh, next, we're moving on to Abigail and Noah drama. Is Abigail the same Abigail, like the deaf Abigail? She is hearing impaired. Yeah, I don't I, like to I'm define her by her disability, <laughs> but uh, it is. <laughs> no, hey, hey, listen. So, Dude, she's my favorite one of all time of the whole season I watched. So her and Noah are just... I mean, they have the oddest relationship of everybody in Bachelor in Paradise. And I don't know if Noah's on horse tranquilizers or what, 
but he has just been sitting there in paradise, just sitting, like not really been into it, not out of it, just doing all the right things. Uh, Abigail's just sitting right beside uh, his side. Their relationship's good. Then next thing you know, it's like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if it's realistic. They're on the rocks, in their back, boring, happy. But Noah finally has enough of it. And so one night, Noah goes to Abigail, and he's been having issues that Abigail really hasn't been opening up to him. And so Noah just puts all, he just takes his chips and just goes all in. And so he looks at uh, Abigail and he says, I'm in love with you. And Abigail doesn't say a word back. And so... Uh, you sure she heard him? <laughs> so that was... that. W- Listen, this is not the situation where she did not hear him. And now a lot of people will think that. But no, this is not her just not hearing him. She just completely ignored him. And oh, Noah didn't handle it well. And we saw the meltdown. Now, this is very comparable to... The Greg and Katie situation, where Greg was trying to get Katie in The Last Bachelorette, trying to get Katie to say, I love you too. But when he didn't get that reaction, he had a total meltdown. All of a sudden, just couldn't go on and just quit. Well, this isn't sitting right with Noah. The just silence and ignoring him. This guy pours his heart out and not even a word. And so he's upset. And so on the show the next night, if you've been watching, they have the little prom party. They act like they're in prom. They go there, dance, blah, blah, blah. Well, Noah's kind of into it, kind of out of it. Well, finally, he's just like, Abigail, let's go talk. And so Abigail, you know, they Noah pulls Abigail aside and he says, listen, I poured my heart out to you last night. I just don't know if I'm there. So the night before he says, I'm in love with you. Now, the very next night, he didn't get the reaction he wanted from her. And so he's just like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then so Abigail goes off. And I side with Abigail on this one. Abigail directly goes, listen, don't get mad at me because you didn't get the response that you wanted. Don't try to, you know, make it like we have issues because you're at a different level than I am right now. Abigail's just not in love with Noah. And that's okay. But Noah couldn't handle that. And he tried to he tried to get poor old Abigail just to kind of level up her emotions and say something that may have not been true what she felt. And so I truly sided with Abigail and I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm I'm really curious to see what's gonna happen. And sleep, social media never fails, and you're gonna love this one. Uh Dell and Claire broke up. Again. And on the rumor mill, on the rumor mill. Apparently, he has hooked up with Abigail. Ooh, Claire did not had picture her tagged wow. Dell. In the picture, she had tagged Abigail with some rumors. Ooh, and I'm—I don't know what's going to happen. This is my rant, fellas. Fellas, as if the fellas are the ones listening to this. Segment. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is my rant. This is Hawk Talk, and I'm all in for that. I—I'm on the edge of my seat. Listen, it's a three-hour episode, so we're doing it on Wednesday, so we wow. don't have to stay up until midnight watching the damn thing. So we're having people over at 7.30. It's going to be hard for me not to watch it. The fact checker's not going to be home tonight. I don't want to have to watch it and then act like I didn't watch it the next mm, night. That's a risky proposition there. I've done that before. I don't like it. 
but we'll see. We're gonna see everybody. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Sleep Dog, the associate fact checker, might uh, be in attendance for that. Although not that likely. So you know, big time breakdown there from from the Big Hawk, uh, and. I don't even know where to begin. All that makes me realize is is how how glad I I am that I that I'm off the wagon that I gave up that I gave <laughs> up the Bachelor. Uh, a lot to take in there. I did know a few names from the uh, from the prior that one season. That I mean, <laughs> guys, we were in the heart of COVID. I mean, just chest deep in it. So please don't hold it against me. You know, Tasha and Zach are still together, hey. and Zach is not on the wagon or on the sauce. Apparently, yeah, good for him. But he's on the he's on the clock. Yeah. Um, and we uh, give him a hard time, but it's all in fun and, and, uh, you know, happy for him. I'm I mean, ready for that one to burn. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We ain't here. I don't care what anybody says. Media, we don't, we don't make stories off of just happy, feel good stories. Yeah. We don't make no money when they stay together and live happily ever after. We, 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 uh, we make money when one of them burns the other one's house down. And uh, that's what we're here for. And, and mm-hmm. let's face it, that's what everybody, Bachelor Nation, that's what Bachelor Nation's there for. They, they want to see a Britney Spears type meltdown. And I could get into that, but we're, I mean, we got to let her go because, man, she is. But anyway, so we're going to move on to our second segment. I mean, we're always making these bold predictions. Very rarely do they pan out. So we figured we'll double, triple down and just make a whole segment out of it and pick a game, at least one game. Right now, it's one game every week that we're just going to not really break apart or break down, but give our super uninformed opinion about who's going to win. And so this week, I'm just going to be very transparent with you. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing with it. So we picked three games that seem relevant. There is Buffalo at Kansas City, Sunday night football. KC's favored by two and a half. There is Penn State at Iowa. That is the only, I believe, top 25 matchup this week. It just so happens Penn State number four, Iowa number three, Iowa at home, two-point favorite. And then there's the game we talked about earlier, number 17, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. That one hits home for us. Notre Dame only favored by a point there. Uh... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Big Hawk and I combined know jack shit about Penn State and Iowa, and that one's off. So what do you think, Big Hawk? Should we go into Buffalo, KC? Should we go Notre Dame, Virginia Tech? What is the first inaugural Sleep Hawk Worldwide Game of the Week? I'll tell you this. Um, there's not a chance in hell I watch Penn State and Iowa. I hate I hate Big Ten. I don't even know if they're in Big Ten anymore, but <laughs> it seems like everyone's in some different conference. Not a fan of Penn State, not a fan of Iowa. No chance I'll watch that game. Sounds like a borathon. Uh, I may watch Notre Dame at Virginia Tech to see what happens there. Eh, eh, not a big fan of that one. Buffalo at KC. Big time matchup. Big time fucking matchup. I'm going Kansas City's going to beat that spread. They're going to beat them by a touchdown at Arrowhead. And Travis Kelsey uh, you're going to come off life support because I picked you uh, last <laughs> week in DraftKings and you couldn't catch COVID and you couldn't get a damn touchdown. You're going to get a damn touchdown uh, this week for sure. Wow. Bold prediction. I had uh, Josh Allen in one of my leagues. So, guys, I mean, literally, I wish you could see my DraftKings, my recent DraftKings lineups. I'm talking for like three weeks. You got to try to finish as poorly as I have. This is how it's going for me. I had uh, Josh Allen on one of my teams, and they're kicking the shit out of whoever they played so bad 
that they bench him and Mitch Trubisky scoring touchdowns at the end of the game. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I made the right pick. And and I'm 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 still losing. And then I had uh uh Logan Thomas, same team, Washington uh tight end, pulls up lame first drive of the game. He's out in five of my eight teams. Uh I had the dude from um from Tennessee that was supposed to step in and fill the void because Julio Jones and AJ Brown are out. Dude, stuck in traffic, whole game, doesn't show up. And then I picked some other dude, uh, you know, the same kind of situation in like uh, maybe the Giants or some shit. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I've been taking it on the chin. I got Buffalo. I got Buffalo covering the spread there in a in a in a very close game. I think that Kansas City is not the Kansas City that won the Super Bowl the year before and almost won it. I think last year. Uh, at Arrowhead. At Arrowhead, it's a big game Sunday night. Buffalo is, you know, I'm gonna go to the go to the stat sheet here if I can get there in a reasonable amount of time without belaboring it here. But they are, let's see, we're week four, week five. Let's go to the game. Let's go to the stats. Let's see it. All right. 820 NBC at Arrowhead. Dude, this is a matchup predictor from ESPN. We got 50.7 matchup predictor. Buffalo, 48.9 KC. You're probably wondering, where did that other 0.4 go? Uh, they said there's a 0.4% chance at a tie. Uh, <laughs> so, dude, this game, over under 56.5. Um, spread, yes, still 2.5 to KC. Dude, KC is 2-2. Two and two. They've They're had one some and, bad losses. 1-3 and three against the spread. Meanwhile, Buffalo, 3-1, three 3-1 and one, three and one against the spread. I like my pick, man. Um, they are Dead even. 33.5 points a game for Buffalo and for Kansas City. Here's the big difference. Kansas City's allowing 31.3 points a game. Buffalo allowing 11. Their defense, they're only giving up 206. They're only giving up 235 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to expect that to be different with Kansas City because they got weapons for days. But, dude, in a, in a virtual toss-up, what do you have to go on? It's that they both have potent offenses, and one of them has good defense, and the other one doesn't. You know, uh, Kansas City's only beat Philly; they suck, and they beat Cleveland. That's a good win. They won by four. Uh, hot damn! And, and dude, these are Philly scored thirty. The Chargers scored thirty. Baltimore scored thirty six, and Cleveland scored twenty. They're giving up thirty points. A Kansas game, City has a very bad defense, and I don't think it's a secret. Um, yeah, they need to fix that, but. I'm, I think Buffalo's a better team, um, but I think Kansas City's a hungrier team. And I think being at Arrowhead's going to be a kicker. Kansas City hasn't met expectations, and I think they're being humbled. I think this is going to be the game where they come out and they kind of make a statement. But you're right, Sleep. They're not the team they were in the past. The sun's not clicking there. And I do like Buffalo. Josh Allen, great. Uh, they have a very good defense. They kind of find a way to fly under the radar and no one really talks about that, and I kind of like those teams. Yeah, so we're going to start every week, game of the week, make our predictions, going to keep track of them, Big Hawk versus me, you know, uh, I guess versus everybody else. We're even going to try to get some guest picks uh, on occasion here, and so, you know, make sure you keep track of those. If you got any games of the week that you want us to cover, you know, submit for consideration, but you heard it here first, Sleep Dogs taking Buffalo, Big Hawks taking Kansas City, Sunday Night Football, uh, Travis Kelsey back from the dead. Next segment, dude, Segment City over here, Word on the Street. Word on the Street. 
This one is probably our favorite because you, the fans, tell us what to talk about. So these are things that, believe it or not, we get inundated with some DMs from all over the world uh, about things that they want us to chat about. And so that's what we're going to do here. There's a lot of this could be anything, right? This could be sports news. This could be batch news. This could be something just weird and off the wall. The one thing it usually won't be is political. So if you got (laughs) politics, man, keep that shit at home because we're all sick of that, right? So... A lot of stuff going down in the world this past week. Uh, Yesterday (laughs) was probably the biggest. Steve from Santa Monica, California writes, (laughs) what happened to Facebook and Instagram yesterday? Good question. Nobody knows. Uh, How did you survive yesterday without the gram? I was fucked up. Um, (laughs) I was. And I was like, how do I, what? I looked at my thing and all I did was try to refresh it for five minutes and uh, I, sl- I sent, <laughs> I sent a, a text to our, to our group text. is like, when the hell is this going to be back up? And, and Sleep sent me an article. <laughs> From the Wall Street Journal. And I said, Sleep, when is it going to be back up? You know I'm not going to read that thing because if I actually read it, <laughs> tell me, Facebook and Instagram up? will be way back up by then. <laughs> but, uh, uh. man, I'm not on Facebook um, because one thing, I'm an adult. Uh, but uh, I am on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, man, I I was frustrated with Instagram because you don't realize how often when you're bored and you're God. just sitting around, nothing to do. Just it's, it's life support. It's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy, dude. The the memes that came out of it were worth the wait. But that's what you just sort of live for, right? Is like these mindless things that people just come up with on the internet and when they're gone they're gone and it makes you think like wow um facebook yeah who gives a shit whatsapp or uh, what's up or whatever it's called like who cares about that uh everybody starts going to twitter i mean hell Mm -hmm. even uh even old sleep dog logged into twitter to check a few things see what the hell was going on and then as soon as all that as soon as the door as soon as instagram opened the doors again everybody started walking back over there but yeah, it was uh the 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 news and the blowback and all that sort of stuff was pretty wild considering dude, it's just an app on your phone. Uh but yeah, it's 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 becoming hard to live without. Uh it was dramatic, right? And mm-hmm. that is a wonderful segue to something else that's dramatic. John from Iowa writes in <laughs> in case you guys haven't figured out, these names are made up. Uh Urban Meyer, buddy, guy is what the fuck is that guy got going on, man? He is in deep shit. It is really fun to watch, I'll be honest. Did you see what happened? Did I see? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, first of all, sleep. should the Jaguars fire him? No. So if I'm the general manager, I'm the owner of that team, I call him and say, you're fired. And the reason I do that is that's not a good example for anybody in that organization that is trying to work their way to the top. And they've had some locker room issues. And the last thing they need is somebody blowing off a – well, he didn't even get on the team bus after they lost in uh, Cincinnati. He just went to Ohio, went out, and had some fun. And not only is it a bad look, but that was a young college girl that was grinded on him. That guy is married, and that's disrespectful to his whole family and kids. And I know we joke on here all the time, but I I was in my mind and I laughed because I'm not part of that situation. But if I was a player in that locker room, how do you take that season serious? Well, Cam 
you know, sent us that tweet earlier, that thread, and 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 it's apparently just blowing up already, right? Because the first thing he did was he didn't come in and, and own it. And I don't, I don't think he should be fired. For the record, I just think that you got to be, first of all, you got to be way smarter than that, dude. Like, what are you doing? You got to be, like, somewhat aware that you're in a public place, you're the coach of the Jags, and, like, you got this girl dancing on you on a bar stool. Who knows how old she is? I'm not even going to speculate. But, like, it's just a terrible look. And, I mean, he didn't appear to be, you know, blasted. He just seemed like he was chilling and just, you know, and then he kind of came in and – um you know, and beat around the bush to the team. And I mean, these are grown men that realize at this point that, hey, if that's me, this is a lot different story. And you're mm-hmm. going to come in and, and bullshit me, uh, you know, and they don't buy it. And, and I do think that he really runs the risk of losing the locker room. But I, I just think this is one of those things this day and age that happens. You know what? I'll be betting against Jacksonville this weekend. I would tell you that much. What if that would have been Antonio Brown? What if that would have been Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is not having a great season, and if he was in that, he's had some off the field issues. That would have been him in that. Oh my God, it would have been a whole different story. The whole city of Pittsburgh would have just been in. Whew. Um, nah, I didn't like the look, uh-uh. and. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty selfish. Um, I always think it's a little selfish when somebody doesn't get on the plane after a loss, and, yeah, or win and fly back with the team. It's just like this whole camaraderie type of thing. Yeah, chemistry. It's not good for it. I didn't like it. Yeah, it's uh, it was hard to watch. So we'll see Jacksonville at home against Tennessee this week. Chalk that one up as a loss, uh, but that could have been <laughs> said. That could have been said without Urban Meyer getting the old uh, you know blue pill. And uh, so uh, another guy, though, that has fared much better is Tom Brady, right? He goes back to Foxborough. I didn't see the game, um, but much ado about the Belichick-Brady you know, split, blah, blah, blah. And curious to get your thoughts on it. Brady breaks the record. I know they just like paused the game or something instead. I heard that, you know, during the telecast, all all they were talking about is Brady and Belichick. Like at a certain point, it's just nauseating. Like just watch the game. But obviously, Tom wins. Like, did we expect any different? And it was it was a closer game than than I think most people expected. But did you see it? How did you? What did you take away? From oh, that? I watched the whole thing. That thought, was from Phil in Philadelphia. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I I loved it. Um, the thing I love about uh, Brady is. You know, he, he's he's had all these accomplishments. The way he handled himself, because that was extremely emotional to go back there. You know, I couldn't imagine going back to New England in his situation. You know, the media is hyped up so much about him and Belichick don't get along, blah, blah, blah. And we don't really know behind the scenes what's going on. And so I know this, that Brady didn't come out and really warm up on the field. He stayed back in the locker room. And right before the game, he comes out on the film, the field and does a quick warm up, and uh, then kind of goes into the game. But after the game, I mean, he stayed out there, hugged all his former teammates, said hello to a lot of people in the organization. And Belichick swings by, hugs him real quick and leaves. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, what a piece of shit. That is, uh, but then to come find out that Belichick had went to the locker room and they had a talk for 20 minutes. And after the, after the game, Brady was getting interviewed and he's like, you know, I think it's funny the way you guys view, uh, me and Belichick's relationship because it's not at all how I view it. Yeah. And 
I, I would say they've had a little turmoil, and I don't think they're the um, they got along the best. I think I think Belichick could have handled himself a little bit better. Um, from what I understand and what I witness is when you have greatness like Brady, you don't treat him like they're a rookie. And if he wants some things done, like he wants to bring his own trainer in, especially at his age, you bring your own trainer in. You've done enough. You don't have anything to prove. You're our quarterback. You bring the trainer in. And I just thought <clears throat> from Belichick's standpoint, he was too old school with such a great, you know, the greatest player in all of football, possibly one of the greatest athletes to ever go down. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I thought he handled himself well. Of course he won. Uh, Could have easily lost if the field goal went in for New England. But it was great to see. The game itself was boring as hell. It was almost, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, whoever picked uh, Ryan Suckup on their DF lineup, Daily Fantasy lineup, uh, really must have done well. I'm here looking at the box score. <laughs> I was like, where are all the touchdowns? This dude scored, he kicked four field goals. Yeah, I mean, it was boring as hell. Wow. But, you know, I respect Brady. I love Brady. I've always been a Brady fan. I like his story. And uh, I thought he really did a good job handling himself well uh, under that uh, under those circumstances. Richard Sherman lead the team in tackles. Look at that. They Yeah, that's the point, I think, is, look, you got ego, right? I don't care. Tom Brady's got one. Bill Belichick's got one. And, and, and that's part of what makes him – you know, great. And I think that time heals all wounds. I'm sure that the split was uglier in the beginning and there was probably hurt feelings and all this sort of stuff. Cause just cause these guys are great doesn't mean they don't get their feelings hurt. Uh, Tom Brady will get his feelings hurt. Bill Belichick will get his feelings hurt in the right situation. And then, uh, you know, as, as time goes on and they realize the world didn't end, they probably remembered like, Hey man, this, this everything's fine. We're, <laughs> we're both in good shape. We're millionaires, like we're making us money. So, uh, you know, and they, they, things have worked out well, you know, for both of those guys. And I'm sure that they're, uh, respect each other enough and have the kind of relationship where, yes, the media is going to get, um, probably going to get the scoop from time to time, but they're not going to get, you know, the full picture of what that, what went on that 20 minute conversation. Cause I think both of them have a level of respect for each other, um, that, you know, they're not going to let that happen. So, Somebody we got a lot of respect for, old Herm, man. He got behind the wheel. Uh, guest on last week's pod, Hermie Sadler. He got in uh, – he's suing the governor, and he's also riding around in a race car uh, last Saturday. I don't know what place he came in. He didn't finish. He didn't finish. Remember, um, is he had car issues. That's right. <clears throat> and um, his car gave out his alternator. Quit on him. He had electrical issues. and so. But, hey, I respect it for him to get in that car at his age. Try to do it again, cowboy up. That wasn't easy, but I know he liked it. I know his family enjoyed watching it. It was fun. Uh, by the way, I hope he wins that uh, suit against the governor because the governor has not done the best things for uh, for that state of Virginia. We don't like him here at SHWW. Yeah, me neither. And, you know, just off screen here, nobody can see this, but the old mascot's over here licking the power outlet, uh, Finley, uh, my dog here. And, and that's about as fun as our last segment, the Sleep Dog Snoozer of the Week. Okay, guys, this is game changer. We're changing podcast history here because we already gave you the game of the week. But this, this is something different altogether. What we're going to do every single week is we're not, you know, we're going to give you the game of the week, but what we're also going to give you is the worst possible game you could watch on TV. And it just so happens the stars have aligned so perfectly that this might be the worst game 
of the year. It might be the worst game of all time, as it typically is. The Jets and Falcons, to make matters worse than the fact that they're playing each other at one and three each, they're playing each other in London at 9.30 Eastern time a.m. That is 6.30 for those of you on the West Coast. I mean, could you think of a worse fucking game at a worse fucking place at a worse fucking time than the 1-3 Jets versus the 1-3 Falcons in London? They don't even give a shit about football at 9.30 in the morning. Can you think of anything worse than that? No. Not off the top of your head, you can't, because it's bad. So we got the Falcons, I think, are the home team. That's what also blows my mind. Uh, Three-and-a-half-point favorite. Who knows why? Uh, <laughs> Over-under in that game is 46. I'm hammering the under there. Listen to these stats, okay? So first of all, before I even get into the stats, the, the last – so they're both one and three. I've made that clear. Uh, the only win the Falcons have is against the Giants, 17-14. to 14. The only win that the Jets have is somehow, by the grace of God, they beat the Titans last week in overtime. The Titans didn't have Julio Jones or A.J. Brown, probably the top of the two of the top five, at least ten receivers in the NFL. Uh, losses against just God and everybody. The Fal- this is what kills me, dude. The Falcons score 19 and a half a game, giving up 32. That ain't mm. good. So they, they are uh, total yards a game, 334. They're rushing for 86 yards a game. Okay. They are allowing almost 400 yards a game. <laughs> if you didn't think that was bad, check out the Jets. So the Jets lost to Carolina, they scored 14. Week two, they lost against New England. They scored six. Week three, they lost to Denver. They didn't score. Um, They outscored themselves in the last game, uh, in the three games prior. They're scoring 11 points a game, giving up 24, giving up, you know, almost 400 yards a game, and they rush for even fewer yards than the Falcons do. This game is a dumpster fire waiting to happen from the Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> Stadium at 9.30 in the morning, dude. So one game just I ain't watching, but we're going to pick it. We're going to pick it before we get out of here because this is my rule. This is my segment. This is what we do what I do. Uh, we got to have a spot. We need a NyQuil sponsorship or something. Wake up in the morning, take your NyQuil, <laughs> and go back to bed and catch us next Tuesday when we break this one down. might not need it if you watch the first quarter. God bless, dude. Can you think of a worse game? I don't even know. Matt Ryan, only guy I know on those teams. Uh, Michael Carter, Tar Heel, um, you know, running back for the Jets. Who you got in that one, Big Hawk? I'm going to go with Atlanta. I just don't want to pick a, uh, a New York team. God, I don't either. Um, yeah. All right. Falcons it is. Uh, to cover the spread. They're both one and three against the spread, so something's got to give. It's probably going to be a push here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to push uh, stop on this episode and catch up with you guys next time. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.